You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. We've got a mailbag episode this week. We are going to talk to recruiting analysts Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, and Andrew Ivins to discuss a variety of topics, including Corey Foreman, the number one rated player in the 24-7 Sports Composite, who took a big unofficial visit to LSU this past weekend. These mailbag episodes have been a big hit with our listeners, so if you want your recruiting question answered by our team of analysts at 24-7 Sports, make sure you leave that question in an Apple podcast review, rate it five stars. That is the best way to get your question answered on this show. Let's kick things off with the GOAT. He is Greg Biggins, a <laughs> national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Greg, how are you doing? I'm good. I just kind of made myself embarrass myself with that little squeal. That was kind of supposed to be a laugh, but I was I don't know what happened there. It was so, a nice it was a nice chuckle. It was a nice you chuckle. You did make me laugh though. It was it was referring to me as the goat. Um I don't think so, but it was good to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you, Blair. How are it, you? It, I'm doing well, man. A little nervous right now. I know your yeah. Lakers are in the bubble and you know it's difficult sometimes to track some of those games, just how back and forth they are. I know you're a big NBA guy. Before we get to the mailbag questions, I wanted to gauge your temperature. You are our right. resident NBA guy in the bubble. What do you think the Lakers are? are uh, what, what do you think their chances are right now? Of beating Houston or of, of winning the whole thing? Of winning it all, man. They got to hang banners. Yeah, that's right. We don't, we don't talk, you know, we're not Clipper fans here. We don't get excited about first round victories, which is kind of like, you know, if they have a parade over there in Clipperland if they win a couple of playoff games. Um, but as I take a, a disparaging remark at the Clippers, I got to be honest, th- those clips are looking pretty good right now, Blair. They got some dudes. I'm a big Kawhi fan. I'm not going to be that, that guy who's going to take a shot at, shot at someone because he's not on my team. Uh, you know, I, I love AD. I love LeBron. We got to get a third guy and, um, you know, to contribute, whether it be a Rondo, who I just – I still see Celtic green when I look at him. Kuzma. KCP, not a fan. I, I don't know, man. I got to be honest. I'm a little nervous about those clips. I'll be <laughs> well, that's, brutally that's, honest. That's why I I'll brought be it up because honest. because when you chuckled, it, it it was more of a nervous laugh, and and I I could sense <laughs> I could sense the tension that you've been having recently. You mentioned Kawhi as a dude. Speaking of dudes, Corey yeah. Foreman, right? He's good. We had a question come via Twitter. It came from Donovan FM. What's happening with Corey Foreman? How significant was his LSU visit? And what's the buzz with him moving forward? Corey Foreman being their number one rated player in the 24-7 sports composite, a five-star defensive lineman from Corona Centennial in California. Yeah, I mean, the LSU visit was extremely significant. I'm not sure when this is going to air, Blair, but we're talking on a Wednesday. So I talked to his dad about an hour ago, and, uh, you know, all all the things that uh, Corey told me about the Georgia trip two weeks ago, um, the dad kind of echoed about the LSU visit. You know, I think they made a great impression. Um, For those who don't know, he was at Georgia two weeks ago for the same exact meet and greet that LSU just just did. Um, Unofficial, no coaches, no facility tours. 
just hanging out with the guys. Everyone knows he's got a really close friendship with Mason Smith. They want to play together. He's a big-time D tackle out of Louisiana. Um, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer kind of put the whole thing together. Uh, he's close with Rajon Davis, who's already committed to LSU. Uh, you know, Corey's father is also close with Rajon Davis's family. And, and what the dad told me, you know, it was, just, it was a good visit for him to go and hang out, get the feel for the campus. And they were just kind of blown away at how, how big football is back there. I mean, there was a marquee billboard that had Corey Foreman's name on it. Welcome to, you know, Louisiana Corey Foreman. He's getting, you know, autograph seekers everywhere he's walking and you know they were able to go uh referring to the foreman parents able to go have lunch with the rickses elias rickses family so i mean i think they hit a home run i really do uh, i put a crystal ball in for georgia two weeks ago after that trip but you know right now i think lsu made up a ton of ground i would say lsu is right there i think those are the top two lsu and georgia and Honestly, uh, if signing day was next week, I would say it's a toss-up. I think LSU made, made that much of an impression, and I think it's going to be an extremely tough, tough decision for them. Clemson's still in there. Oregon is still in there, and USC is obviously still in there. It's those five, but uh, I think right now, I mean, LSU and Georgia, th- those are the top two for them. Brief follow-up question. How, how long do you think this recruitment extends? Because as we know, this, this recruiting cycle has not been traditional. Everything seems to be you know pushed back. The dead period has been extended through the end of this month. And so we don't know really timelines or timeframes. But with Corey Foreman, do you feel like things still remain to be on track for maybe an early signing period decision? Or, or do you feel like he could potentially push things back and hope that at some point he's able to take official visits? Yeah, so I would say both. He wants to take official, official trips if he can, but he still has an early decision date in mind. He wants to commit the All-American Bowl in January, right? So as of right now, we're still hearing that there's going to be an All-American game. And that's where he wants to commit. Now, if there is no game, he is going to commit um, on whatever that Wednesday in December is. I don't know if you have a calendar in front of you. I I do not. But uh, he wants to commit probably uh, he'll do an ESPN thing on that first day of the early signing period in December. Yeah, yeah, it would be December 16th. December 16th it is then. So it'll either be All-American Bowl first choice or if not, it'll be December 16th. He's an early grad. He's definitely going to do that. The dad, Kevin, did tell me the goal would be to take another official trip. Or not another one. Uh, an official trip would be a first official trip to LSU in Georgia. And uh, so, yeah, they're, they're hoping to do that. They're hoping to commit early and also take trips if they can. So, you know, we'll see what happens, right? Right now we have no idea if they're going to allow trips to happen. My, my guess is if, you know, once the SEC starts up and if they're playing some games and things are good and – people are staying healthy and you don't see a, a breakout of, of COVID cases, then maybe they allow kids to take official trips and get on campus. And uh, if there is maybe some, some cases, then they probably bong that idea. Yeah. You know, th- I know he was committed to Clemson. I know USC has ha- had a lot of buzz to to its name with Corey Foreman as well. Uh, you have the crystal ball vote in for the Georgia Bulldogs at, at the moment. But the X factor right here, I think, could be Ed Orgeron. When you think of Ed and his pursuit of defensive linemen and his roots in Southern California and just how aggressive he's been in the in the state in the past and, and just all the connections that he has there, uh, it, it's it's one of those things where if it's a toss up, I I tend to 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 lean towards Ed. So you know, I I would think so too. And I was talking to Billy Embody, who's 
you know, does a phenomenal job, him and Shay covering the LSU beat. And he told me an interesting stat, Blair. He said that Ed Orgeron has yet to sign a five-star defensive lineman from out of state, which blew me away, right? Because that, that U.S. That is actually as very surprising. Very surprising. And, and I hope I don't misquote him, I, but I could have sworn that's what he said to me. Um, the only in-state or the only five-star D linemen they've signed have been in-state guys. And again, I, I might've totally misunderstood him. And if there was a mistake, it's on me, not on, on Billy, but I could have sworn that's what he said. And which again is mind boggling because at USC, man, Ed was able to go national and get whoever he wanted. And at Miami, he was phenomenal too. So, and he's still very active and involved. So it's not like he's suddenly now just being the head coach and kind of just, you know, delegating. He's still hands on. So I'm a little surprised by that. And, uh, but obviously the competition out there is crazy, right? He's dealing, he, he's battling every day with Bama. He's battling with, you know, Auburn, with Florida, um, obviously Georgia. And Georgia does a phenomenal job recruiting nationally. So competition is tough, but I, I would have thought Ed would have gotten a couple five-star out-of-state D linemen. And we'll see if Corey can be his first. We're joined by Greg Biggins. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Biggins. He's actually had his name up on a few billboards in his day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Greg. That's going to be a fascinating recruitment, right? The Corey Foreman, the next couple months, especially leading up to the early signing period, you've covered a lot of commitments. We had a question here from Benny Mac 23 via Apple Podcast. So, Benny, thank you for submitting your question. His, his question is, what was your favorite recruitment from the 2020 class, or if you remember the 2019 class, or both, which one would that be? Yeah, no, so it's kind of funny. I, my mind is mush. My brain isn't what it used to be. And I can't really remember a whole lot of recruitments, even this past year. So I'm not you've, you've lost a step, my guy. I've lost, I've lost a step in that love and feeling at the same time. It's gone. But uh, <laughs> one that I was kind of personally involved in, so I'll, I'll share this one, was Drake Jackson, which is the 2019 class, I believe, right? Was it 2019 or 2020? Yep. Yeah, he was a freshman last season. So Drake, I, I was doing a little – I was doing the Sunday Day show, hosting the, the Fox Sports signing day show and drake was torn between arizona state and usc there was four guys that were going to announce on the show and the way that we were doing it was they're actually sending a, a video camera crew to each of the four players house the night before so they can videotape the announcement and then they would show it and pretend for it to be live during the, the actual show which was from three to five uh so drake didn't know so i'm like hey let's let's film one with you saying usc and we'll have one with you feeling with you saying arizona state and then, the, you know, tomorrow morning, we'll, we'll, you'll wake up in the morning. You'll be like, hey, I'm going here. And then we'll, we'll go. We'll run with that one, right? And, every, you know, his dad signed off on it. Drake was good. We were good. Well, that Sunday morning, uh, he still didn't know. And we go, hey, you got, you got four hours. Don't stress over it, Drake. Um, you know, just think about it. And then whenever it comes to you. So he must have called me, him and his pops, probably four or five times just to tell me I still don't know. And I'm like, you know what? You don't need to tell me you don't know. Just tell me when you know something. Because uh, I was kind of prepping for the show myself. And then so the show is about ready to start. And Drake still does not know. It's 3 o'clock now, right? And uh, and we're like, dude, we're not going to be able to run the video. Like our producer is saying, like, unless we have the answer now. And I'm going, like, Drake, honestly, you don't have to announce today. Like, don't announce just for the, you know, dumb TV show we're doing. Like, if you want to wait a couple of days, you don't have to announce. You have the whole week to announce. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, then like halfway through the show, we're, the show's going, the show's live. And I happen to, we're taking a break. I go check my phone and he goes, hey, uh, I'm going to USC. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and announce, run the video. I go, we can't run the video. It's too late, but uh, we'll go ahead and verbalize what you're doing. So with like 
10 minutes left in the show, I was like, hey, breaking news, uh, Drake Jackson has just decided and signed with USC over Arizona State. So, I mean, it was really close. I mean, the night before, I honestly thought it was Arizona State. And Drake actually told me after the fact that it was ASU that, that morning of. But he just couldn't – you know, USC was the dream, and he just couldn't say no to the dream. So he decided to stick with USC, and obviously worked out well last year at freshman All-American. Yeah, it's it's been paying off for him. He's going to be one of the the more uh, interesting players to to track at USC the next couple of years, and, and obviously he had a phenomenal freshman year. We're joined by Greg Biggins. You can follow him on Twitter, at Greg Biggins. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Greg, before we let you go, the next question comes from Dylan B05. He says, hey, guys, love the show. What's the likelihood that Oregon can get the top class in the country? And this question obviously comes on the heels of the Ducks landing the number one rated offensive lineman in the West region, four-star prospect Kingsley Suamataia. And obviously it came interesting timing with Suamataia coming off the board to the Ducks uh, about a day and a half after Panay Sewell, the reigning Outland Trophy winner, declaring for the next draft and saying he's going to bypass his junior season. Greg, what do you think the Ducks' chances are of, of climbing to the top? It, it seems a bit stiff, uh, steep with Ohio State and Alabama ahead of them in the, in the team rankings. Um, with all due respect to the Oregon Ducks, and I love what they're doing, I'm going to say the chances are slim and none. There is zero chance they're going to be able to overtake what Alabama and Ohio State, the Ohio State are doing right now. Again, that's no disrespect to Oregon. They have a great shot at a top five class. There are still several big guys on the board for them. Obviously, the top two players in the country, JT Tumalau and Corey Foreman. They both have Oregon in their top five. Uh, Emeka Egbuka is still looking at them. Um, Dante Thornton, the big-time receiver. They would still love a couple more offensive linemen. Bryce Foster's on their board still. But uh, I just think there's just too much ground to make up, Blair. And, and I think, obviously, Ohio oh, – I can't speak Ohio State and Alabama. They both have uh, dudes on their board that are uh, that are leaning in that direction for both those two schools. So um, to answer the question, not going to happen. But good news for Oregon fans. They still are going to have at worst a top 10 class and potentially a top five class, which could be the best class in their program's history. So um, congrats to the Ducks, the staff and, uh, and all Oregon fans should rejoice. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I don't think it's anything or any knock on Oregon, right? It's just a, maybe a praise to what Ohio State and Alabama have been doing Absolutely. so far in the Absolutely. 2021 cycle. So it's 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 nothing to be, you know, ba- basically kind of hanging your head about uh, if you're an Oregon Ducks fan because they have absolutely been thrashing it uh, on, the, on the recruiting trail, especially out west, Greg Biggins. Especially out west. Greg Biggins, thank you so much for joining us here on this latest mailbag episode. Can't wait to have you on again. And it's time, Blair. Thanks for having me. Let's stay out west for our next guest. He is the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. He comes from the land of the murder hornets, as well as orange skies now, unfortunately, as we have seen up and down the West Coast this week. Brandon Huffman. Huff, how are you doing? Oh, doing great. Have to keep my windows closed because the air quality is terrible. But it could be worse because at least the sky is somewhat blue no more orange, no more really thick gray. It's more of a bluish grayish haze. How about you, Blair? And we've been wearing masks for so long now that I I feel like we're used to having to go outside with, with ash raining down on us. Uh, You (laughs) know, if if you're unfamiliar with the West coast and what's happening, I mean, there's wildfires essentially everywhere and a big cloud of smoke has just 
blanketed uh, us. So I guess it's it's good that we don't have college football this 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 week. No, it's never good that we don't have college football. Although the, the entire <laughs> I was West, to say you <laughs> the entire West Coast has adopted BYU as the regional team because that's how barren the wasteland of football is out west. It is the westernmost, uh, I guess, program right it, right now that is playing college football. So BYU, like you mentioned, is the West Coast team uh, for this college football season at least this fall. Brandon, the, the first question that we have for you in the mailbag comes from Eric McLean. He's a former offensive lineman at Clemson, and he was actually the number 188 overall prospect in the composite for the 2011 class. And he gave us a five-star rating. And, you know, in return, we promised him that we would retroactively bump him up from four stars to five stars. So, Tani, if you can do the honors and, and maybe give us a, a little flair here, a little audio signal to, to signify that Eric McLean, former Clemson star, is now a five-star prospect. And, and thank you, Eric, for, for putting in that five-star review. Really appreciate it. The topic that he wanted to discuss was the fact that the trenches are dominating the top player rankings uh, with a lot of the majority of the top 50 uh, being either offensive linemen or defensive linemen. And right now it is very top heavy, no pun intended. It really is. And, you know, it, it's not just a recent thing. I mean, or I wouldn't say it's not just a 2021 thing. It's something you'll see in the 2020 composite rankings. Half of the top 12 are linemen. You know, you look at to the 2022 class and you've got, again, linemen dominating, whether it's offensive linemen, defensive linemen, the top player in the composites, the defensive tackle. It's becoming very clear that we are now more than ever, which is interesting because, Last year, the top two players in the, in the country were quarterbacks. We're in a quarterback-driven era, but defense alignment, offense alignment are still such a premium that those players are the ones that really seem to emerge in our rankings. And if you look at the 2021 rankings, the top two players in 24-7 sports ranking, the top two players in the composite ranking are the same two, JT Tuimoloau and Corey Foreman. It's becoming more and more clear how important it is to get – elite linemen and I would say it tends to be more towards the defensive side of the ball you'd see I mean you do see a good number of offensive linemen but in terms of the higher ranked guys it seems to be more those elite pass rushers or those elite interior guys that are really dominating the rankings and then you, you mix those with the offensive line and you know we're seeing just how many linemen are among the most heavily pursued the most highly regarded highly rated in the country year in and year out with a couple quarterbacks mixed in. Yeah. When, so when you look at the 2022 class, Quinn Ewers, the quarterback that's committed to Texas, he is the number one player in that class. I don't know if there is a Quinn Ewers in this class. Obviously we haven't had senior seasons to, to base things off of. And, and those quarterbacks that have been playing the, you know, the examples or, or the, the sample size is very small. Uh, so, but even, even then, I don't think there's ever been a discussion about maybe a skill position player being atop th these rankings. It's always centered around a Corey Foreman, right? Who, who we just talked about with Greg Biggins. It's always been about JT Tuimolo out of the state of Washington. Uh, JC Latham has gotten some buzz. Uh, 
it's always been the the defensive linemen that have been at the forefront of of our brains and and of our rankings discussions. Uh, so I think you know when we move forward after this 2021 group, um, I, I think with. Quinn Ewers, it's going to be difficult to unseat him because, you know, he is, like you mentioned, a quarterback in a quarterback-driven world right now. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We'll be right back after this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We are back with another special edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. It is a mailbag edition. We are joined by Brandon Huffman. He is a national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman, send them your snack suggestions, your 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 spreads, your beer selections. We've got college football. It's week two, Brandon. We we need the masses to send us what they're munching on this Saturday. Even recipes for your best, you know, sauces for your best rubs, seasonings for wings. Because Saturday is going to be a full growler slash wings on the Traeger day with an all day. I mean, that's again, you know, we talked about this in the past, Blair. Being on the West Coast during college football season, whether it's during a full college football season, during a pared down college football season, it's still the best with those 9 a.m. kickoffs. And you got kickoffs all the way. Now, without the Pac-12 plan, we don't have those 745 kickoffs. But from 9 till about 8, nothing but college football. So we need the, we need the recipes and we need the, the IPA suggestions to you know, make sure the growler's full with some good beer and the Traeger's full of some good tasting wings. I think th- this weekend, the final game on Saturday kicks off at 10 Eastern. So that would give us about you know, 10, 10 o'clock Pacific for it to be over. So I think we'll be, we'll be set for, for the whole day. Uh, and obviously 2020 has been long enough and I think we all deserve uh, college football to be back. And uh, now with Power 5 conferences kicking off, it's going to be Really fun, and we're going to have so many more talking points here on this podcast, so it's going to be fun to continue monitoring everything. The next question, Huff, let's get back to the mailbag, comes comes from NSC55. He wants to know, what is happening with USC recruiting Polynesian players, and how can they get back to what they were doing in their dominant ways? You know, it's fascinating to see. I mean, you, you, we think back to the 2014 class and the uh, the – deservedly named Oose crew that USC signed And a lot of guys that at either one point they were trailing for or didn't have a commitment from and how 
just vital that class was to USC's success in, in 2016, 2017, when they won the Rose Bowl, when they you know won the Pac-12 in 2017. And if you go back to that 2014 class, at one point, Vianney Talamavia, who is now a grad assistant at USC, was committed to Alabama. Damian Mama was looking everywhere. Uh, you had you know Juju Smith-Schuster, who is half Polynesian. He looked like he was heading to Oregon. And then when Steve Sarkeesian was hired, and one of the most key hires he made in that time was Johnny Nansen coming with him from Washington. Nansen was able to, you know, really help with some help from the offensive line coach um, at that time to get Vianney, to get Damian Mama, to get Juju. And it just seemed like that was kind of par for the course. Whenever USC really set their sights on Polynesian players, they got them. And then with Johnny Nansen and his connection to so many in Hawaii and Samoa, you know, you, you look like, USC was always going to get him, but then in recent years, and I don't know, maybe maybe it was when Tua went to Alabama, but then it started to open the floodgates away from USC, and it really seemed like, you know, Washington and Oregon have always had success there, but it really seemed like Tua was the one that kind of got players even more and more away from USC because, you know, in ensuing years, you had uh, Cam Latu that ended up at Alabama. You had, you know, Brandon Cahu, who originally started out at Washington, ended up at Alabama. Guys at USC in years past probably would have gotten And You know, obviously, it's been talked about before about Tua's affinity for Oregon and for USC, but it really started to seem over a four or five-year stretch there that, you know, USC didn't quite have the juice and losing Johnny Nansen, he ended up on the staff at UCLA, bringing in Vic Soto, who's again, a guy that I think has got incredible connections when he was at Virginia last year, he was key in Virginia signing Nusi Malani out of the Bay Area, out of Sarah High School, the same high school Tom Brady went to, and to pull him away from some Pac-12 schools to get him to go to Virginia. Well, now Soto's back in his native Southern California, originally from Oceanside, from San Diego, but I think a lot of people look at him as still being a Virginia guy or maybe even a BYU guy. So it may take him time. Will that be enough time for USC fans to wait for the pipeline to kind of reopen? They do have some grad assistants though. Like we mentioned, Vianney, Lenny Vandermeer, they have some guys on staff, but they don't quite have the draw as they once did. And a lot of that's because of guys like Joe Salavea up at Oregon. You've got Ikaika Malloy up at University of Washington, and they've got great connections on the islands in Samoa and in Tonga. And so I think you're seeing more of the, the push there than you have Alabama still getting players. And then you had Tennessee two years ago getting Henry Toto out of the Bay Area. And, and again, those are guys that USC typically – would have been in the mix for, would have been on the shortlist for, and likely wouldn't would have gotten. And it seems like there's a little bit of a hole there. So they've got to get back to that. But now they've got competition, not just coming from their own conference, but really nationally. Yeah, and don't forget Siaki Ika, who's over at LSU. And that's a player who took an official visit to USC. And in the past, you know, you think top player in the state of Utah in his class, uh, long time uh, offered by USC, has been to campus numerous times. Uh, that's usually sewn up and signed to USC early on. Uh, but LSU went in there. Obviously, he he made an impact as a freshman last year. So that's I think that's one of the the more detrimental things right now that is happening to USC. When you're losing the Noah Sewells, the Kingsley Suamataias, the Pene Sewells, even in you know three or three classes ago, uh, you know they had a, a commitment from Puka Nakua and they lost him as well. I, I think that's a thing that maybe gets overlooked. So we appreciate the question. 
Huff, before we let you go, we asked this for, for Biggins, and I feel like it's going to be a, a recurring theme on the, on this mailbag episode. This question comes from Benny Mac 23 It's too good not to use again. And his question was, what was your favorite recruitment from the 2020 class or if you remember the 2019 class or both? And which one would that be? I don't remember the 2019 class. That was so long ago. So I'm going to go 2020 and a little that, bit more. That's, of an un- well, that's what that's what Biggin said. And I, and I told him he was losing a step. I've lost several steps. You know, 2020 <laughs> has taken it out of me. But I, I'm going to go with one that's a little bit more under the radar in terms of not necessarily one that you would think of, but as you know, folks that listen to the show may remember you and I used to do the West of the Rest podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. And one of the stories that we enjoyed talking about for quite a bit of time was the recruitment of Daniel Nagata, who was at the time, I think the number two all-purpose back in the country out of Folsom High School in the Sacramento area, Northern California. And Nagata was the third of the Nagata playing football brothers or football playing brothers. His oldest brother, Ariel, went to Washington. Joe, the middle brother, was at Clemson. And so Daniel had already watched the recruiting process up close by the time it got to him watching his two older brothers go through it. So Washington was on his short list. Clemson was on his short list. But then as his recruitment started taking shape, it was Clemson, Texas A&M, Arizona State, and I think Oklahoma State was in it. He took an official visit to Arizona State, was ready to commit. Jamar Kane, who's now the outside linebackers coach at Oklahoma, but a Northern California native, was running point on his recruitment, already had a commitment from Omar Norman Lott out of Sacramento, was working on Nagata and was working on Badger. Nagata was ready to not just commit, but to go public with his commitment. Except there became a little bit of a snag there because his family, who's deeply religious, did not like the fact that Arizona State's logo and mascot was a devil, the Arizona State Sun Devils. And we never got it fully confirmed by the Nagata family, but we heard from enough people that were close to the recruitment to confirm it for us to say, this was a very polarizing subject for the family, that they did not want him to go to Arizona State because of the devil logo. And he stayed the course, you know, it looked like maybe A&M was going to get him. It looked like Oklahoma State might get him. It looked like, you know, Clemson kind of seemed to be out for a while, but maybe Clemson was going to pull a surprise. But he wanted to go to Arizona State, and he kept waiting and waiting and kept pushing back his announcement until he finally announced at the Under Armour All-American Bowl. But for the longest time, his biggest fight in recruiting was to convince his parents to let him go to Arizona State, mascot, logo, notwithstanding and just go to where he wants to go. Ultimately, Arizona State was able to close the deal. Nagata, more importantly, was able to close the deal with his family and he signed with Arizona State and was a huge picket because it not just landed him, but they also were able to get Elijah Badger out of Folsom, another four-star All-American as well. And if there's a school in Sacramento you want to be recruiting at, if you're a Pac-12 school, it is absolutely Folsom High School. And so Arizona State got kind of the long-term benefits of it, but in the short term, Daniel Nagata had to work really hard. And I got to say, in all the years I've been covering recruiting, that was one of the more unique snafus that I have heard of a recruit trying to convince his parents why he wanted to be able to go to a certain place and what he needed to do to ultimately sign with that school. And then we saw him announce his commitment at the Under All-America game and with his parents by his side none of them wearing the sun devils logo or anything that said sun devils it was it was blank just bold face arizona state 
just wording on their shirts, which was, I thought it validated everything that you had been hearing uh, throughout the recruitment. So that was a funny one to track. And and, and now we're going to be waiting to see if Nagata, the first time he reaches the end zone, if he throws up a pitchfork. If he does, <laughs> then it'll be, uh, I think it'll be comical for, for, for us and, and now for the listeners that, that know the story. Huff, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the, the, the wings. They sound delicious. Please send us a photo. You got it. Photo of that and the brews coming your way. Joining us now to wrap up this latest edition of the mailbag episode on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast is, is a jack of all trades. He's a Swiss Army knife of the 24-7 Sports Network. He covers recruiting in the state of Florida. He is the Miami insider for 24-7 Sports, and you can catch him on the Through the Smoke podcast, also on the 24-7 Sports Network. He is Andrew Ivins. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad I'm not uh, uh, filling in for you like I was. <laughs> I, well, we had a joke. Me, me, Greg Biggins, and Brandon Huffman, uh, we had a joke that I might have almost gotten Wally pipped. <laughs> yeah, Greg was, uh, Greg was telling me that. He was texting me about that. Yeah, no, you, you did a phenomenal job, and obviously I, I really appreciated you um, hopping on on, sh- on such short notice, obviously pinch hitting and, and filling in and um, like I've mentioned before uh, to our listeners, this is a, a nationwide effort. This is a 24-7 sports podcast that I just so happen to host, but it, it's everyone's podcast. You're on it. Brandon Huffman's the, the, a, a co-host. Brian Dome, Greg Biggins, Steve Wilfong, the whole team. Right. So uh, it's always you know fun to, to have you on. We wanted to touch base with you because you you had a personal question in there. You know they <laughs> they name dropped you, Andrew. Uh, this comes from Gunner nine five five via Apple Podcast Review. His question is: Can you talk about the recruitment of the three Miami Central boys? That would be Lawrence Seymour, Yul Keith Brown, and Amari Daniels. Well, this question has to come from South Florida. I mean, you're not going to throw out the Central boys and. Uh, it not be from someone in the 305. Uh, you know, I, I these are three recruitments that I think still have a lot of, of life to them. Um, and that's just because, you know, things kind of operate on a different timeline down in the, the South Florida region. And obviously, Lawrence Seymour is currently committed to the Miami Hurricanes. I mean, he's been committed there for almost two years now, but uh, he has said in the past that he will likely probably take some official visits to other schools. You know, Florida has been mentioned. Uh, I think Penn State is another one that he's talked about. Uh, I personally envision him kind of sticking with the Hurricanes um, as I just think, you know, he's got such a good relationship with the staff. And what we've seen kind of throughout this entire pandemic uh, just looking nationwide, is the trend has been for kids to stay home and uh, commit to schools that are local because those are the ones they're comfortable with and a lot of people don't want to go away from home. Now, that could all change if uh, the NCAA says October 1st you can start taking visits again and these guys can get back out on the road. Uh, but right now, I, I think he stays with Miami. Amari Daniels, he's a three-star running back. You know, He's on the shorter side. Um, probably five, seven tops, five, eight tops. Uh, but he's an electric runner. You know, he ran for a bunch of yards in the state playoffs in, in the state title game. I, I think he was close to that 200 yard marker. He was even over that with a couple touchdowns. Uh, he's also has Miami high on his list, but 
for a while it seemed like his recruitment, he was kind of feeling Texas A&M. I, I think right now if I had to handicap it, it's a Miami-Texas A&M battle with, with Penn State also involved. And the kind of theme with all three of these quote-unquote central boys is Penn State's in there. And that's because of Juwan Sider, um, the assistant coach at uh, Penn State. You know, he's a South Florida native. He, he is on Florida staff uh, from the Belglade area. So it's a little bit more north of Miami. But he does a very good job at develop, developing relationships. Uh, uh, circling back to Amari, you know, there was a time when he said, he wanted to have a decision made by the start of his senior season. Well, in Miami-Dade County, which is where Miami Central is located, like they haven't even started practicing yet just due to uh, kind of the, the regulations that are in place. Like Miami-Dade County still has a 10 p.m. curfew, which I think a lot of people would be surprising to some people uh, at different parts in the country. But they haven't started practices yet, so that has altered his, his timeline. Uh, Georgia is also involved in that recruitment, although I think they're probably going to end up with uh, another running back or or if I just had a guess. And then with the old Keith Brown, um, you know, I think it's Texas A&M, Penn State. I think, honestly, with him, he's a guy that a lot of college staffs were hoping to see in that spring or get on campus for uh, their summer camp so they could work him out. I mean, if I was advising Yul Keith Brown, like I would kind of almost hold out because I think he could have a very good – senior season and his stock could go up and then once we get closer to the early signing period and and coaching changes are made and uh you know staff scramble for to fill out spots like I think he could be very appealing just because he's a dynamic guy that can get it done on both sides of the ball and Ivan's breaking down everything with the three Miami Central boys so thank you Gunner 955 for submitting your questions. We're joined by Andrew Ivins. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew underscore Ivins. He covers recruiting in the state of Florida. I also forgot to mention he's very lethal with the camera lens. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's coming for, for blood uh, whenever he has the lens in his hands. You're, you're a phenomenal photographer. You fill in a, a lot of the, the, the photos and, and all that stuff on our profile. So it's greatly appreciated across the network. The next question also comes from Benny Mac 23 Andrew, and we asked this to the previous two analysts that were on the show, but what was your favorite recruitment to cover, either in the 2020 class or if you remember the 2019 class, uh, which one would that be? Well, first off, Blair, I mean, you are pretty good with the camera uh, as well. Recog so. Game <laughs> recognized game, as they say. So, <laughs> so I think I, I have a really good appreciation for your photos uh, yeah. and, and now Brandon Huffman takes some really good photos as well. Um, and, you know, but no, none of them really match up to the artistry of, of Greg Biggins uh, with the iPhone that, that he uses. <laughs> uh, but no, when I see your, your photos and, and, you know, obviously your lens is, is kind of unmatched and, you know, we have a, a long, long running joke about it. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's cool to see your photos because I'm like, man, like it's really hard sometimes when not yeah. only you're trying to keep an eye on the action and you're trying to follow the ball, but then you're also trying to get uh, faces in frame. You're trying to get good lighting. Yeah. You're trying to catch the ball. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. No, there is. And it was, it was fun because I was out at the IMG Academy on um, uh, this past week when they faced Venice in that game that was on ESPNU. And it, like, it was just cool to finally be back out there. I, I felt rusty at times, but uh, you're always nervous about the lighting on the high school scene, but it, it came out good. Uh, to this question, like I've been kind of pondering this for the past 
I don't know, since you texted me it uh, in advance of the show, like I could go in so many different directions here in terms of like uh, recruitments. I could tell you I absolutely like hated. Um, but I think the one that I will never forget is has to do with Avante Williams, who is the uh, he was a top 24 seven safety out of Deland, Florida, you know, early on in the process, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Miami. Um, and the thing with Avante is he is, he, he was just different than other recruits. You know, some of them are, you will build relationships with throughout the process and some of them will never like open up to you. But for some reason, Avante and you know, the more high profile they are, the harder it is, I think, to get that kind of access because you gotta remember every college coaching staff in the country is, is prioritizing these kids and, and telling them everything they want to hear. So when you can get embedded um, with a recruit that that's pretty high up, it's, it's, it's cool and it, it makes your job easier. And so anyways, Avante, you know, early on Miami was on him ended up committing at some point to Oregon sight unseen. And, you know, everyone kind of felt like he was eventually going to decommit from Oregon. He did. And once he did that, uh, everyone thought he was going to go to Florida. I mean, Miami uh, didn't have a good year one under Manny Diaz. They stumbled out the stretch. Florida, on the, on the flip side, they had put back-to-back 10-win seasons together. Um, Avante's cousin, Lorenzo Lingard, a former five-star running back who, you know, I dealt with his recruitment. You know, he transferred from Miami to Florida. So all signs pointed to him headed to Florida. Um, and then right before the national signing day in February, uh, some of the people I talk with at, at Coral Gables had kind of tipped me off that, Hey, Miami's going to be the pick. Like you, you got to keep this under wraps, but we're, we're confident we're going to get him. And I mean, everyone at the time is thinking, uh, he's going to Florida. And like, I'm like, I'm not driving three hours up there for him to, to pick the Florida Gators. Like this is going to just, you know, I got other stuff to do on this day. And then the night before signing day, I, I, I texted Avante. I'm like, Hey, are you, are you really going to go to Miami? And he's like, yeah, like, don't let the cat out of the bag. And he trusted me. Uh, I went up there for his announcement signing day ceremony. And then the one moment where I was like, what am I doing here is when his athletics director brought out like a signing day cake. And on this cake, is orange and blue, not green and orange. So I'm like, wow, I got totally played. And <laughs> he, he ended up eventually, you know, uh, picking it and signing with Miami. So that's a, that's a cool moment for me. Like, I think some people think I cared where the kid goes. Like, no, it was just the, the wave of emotions of that day of, of just trying to be right and just trying to provide the best coverage that I could. So that, that's one I'll never uh, forget. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that because obviously covering this, right, if you go to a, a certain message board or, or maybe another school's uh, site and, and you put in the news that maybe they're not getting him, well, they call you a, a homer, right? And and it's, it's never about trying to pick uh, a school or, or maybe hoping that a recruit goes somewhere. It's always really about hoping that your information that you've been gathering throughout the whole process is accurate. Right. And, and there's not, there's no worse feeling than maybe getting wrong on the crystal ball and, and, you know, knowing that you could have maybe flipped it or, or changed it. So yeah, it's very interesting that you mentioned that. And, and obviously that, that three hour drive uh, would have been uh, pretty, pretty sad on the way back, knowing that you had made it, uh, and he hadn't picked the school that you maybe had kind of been reporting on. 
Um, Andrew, before we let you go, this is a self-submitted question, and and this is only uh, because of what you wrote recently. It was a kind of a breakdown of of what schools, particularly Miami, what they might be able to do now as the season kicks off. And it's appropriate for me to ask you this now that we're heading into week two and all the Power Five conferences are starting to integrate themselves into the national picture. But you you mentioned that Miami could be trying to FaceTime recruits before and after games to bring the atmosphere to recruits to kind of bring that atmosphere and, and, and the vibe of, of what's going on in the locker room before and after games to maybe offset just all this lost time and, and, and maybe the lost opportunity that we had throughout the recruiting dead period. Right. And, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, I guess it's week. I, I can't believe it's week two. I, I feel like this is week one, but I mean, if you're in the SEC, what, like, what do you, what do you think? They don't start to the 26, but uh, it's week. I, it's week negative three. <laughs> yeah. Week negative three. No, look, I guess I'm almost like numb to the no visits thing at this point. Like, you know, you weren't expecting it. But if you took a step back and like, you know, pre-COVID-19, you said that, oh, yeah, college football programs are going to play games and prospective student athletes couldn't be there because of this temporary recruiting dead period. You'd be like, this is insane. Like, what, what do you mean? This like this is when um, not recruiting battles are won, but like this is one of the biggest uh, kind of like covering the game day. Who shows up for the big games? Is this kid going to go to the the Florida State game that day, or is he going to be in Gainesville? Um, and so, just the fact that we don't have that is kind of surreal. Like, uh, you know, the NCAA's temporary recruiting dead periods at least through September 30th. I mean, who knows if they're going to open it up in October? I would imagine it's, it probably gets pushed back just because. You know, how would that be fair to certain schools that have already played home games? But uh, it's a storyline that I know a lot of people in, in, you know, our industry and at our company were wondering what's going to happen. So I kind of reached out to some people I know at Miami. They're the first Power 5 team that that's going to play a game. And I said, do you guys have a game plan kind of in place for this? And they said, well, it's going to be a lot like what we've been doing for the past six months. And that's FaceTiming kids, um, trying to get them on the phone and from my understanding, they're going to, you know, teams arrive two hours before games. Uh, really, that first 30 minutes, players are getting stretched out and taped up. So Miami's staff, and I think it's pretty much, you know, your nine assistant coaches, the head coach, and then anyone uh, who's got NCAA clearance, they're going to be on FaceTime just trying to show off the stadium and show off the locker room. And I'm sure if they get the result they want, they're going to get kids uh, on the phone after the game. And We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think it's it, it's a good idea. I mean, I'm sure some schools will try to do something crazy, maybe like have a Zoom conference with all the recruits or, or something. I mean, I don't know. I think Miami's just going to try to keep it simple, and it's the right approach, I, I guess. It, I mean, really, it comes down to relationships, but I think if you're a 17- or 18-year-old recruit and Manny Diaz is on the phone with you 90 minutes before kickoff, that's probably uh, pretty special. I am anticipating a program to strap on a, a GoPro on maybe a walk-on's helmet and <laughs> and just have maybe the recruit and their family or whoever they're sending the, the meeting code to, 
the password to have access to that, right? And, and be able to be on the sidelines and, and kind of be a mock player in the whole in the whole thing. I, it would just be, I, I think, the best way to make the best of this situation um, and give maybe some of these recruits that aren't able to take the official visits, aren't able to go on campuses and, and go out to games and check things out to get a, a real virtual feel because right now for the last several months, everything's been a virtual meeting. It's been video calls. And I think this is going to be the next step for that. And, and uh, so if you see any GoPros, make sure you tweet me or <laughs> at Andrew Ivins um, on, on Twitter. Andrew, it's, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Blair. I still like your original idea that they're just going to send cookie cakes to all these kids. Oh, like yeah. Via it, it, FedEx that, or something. That could, or at least the recipe to make it at home. I think yeah. that if you're going to send a recipe with maybe some frosting and, and maybe how to stylize it, I think it's the, the best <laughs> the best approach. Uh, that was Andrew Ivins. He covers recruiting in the state of Florida. He's also the Miami Insider for 24-7 Sports. And you can catch him on the Through the Smoke podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network work thank you for everyone that submitted their questions via apple podcast review remember if you want your recruiting question answered on this show the best way to do that is to leave a five-star apple podcast review with your question and we'll do our best to get that answered on the next episode everyone thank you so much for listening and enjoy week two of the college football season here on 24 7 sports